Hello and welcome to the Lightfoot Podcast. This week I go on a wild ride of a yarn with Tyson Junker Porter. He opens up about his experience of the world as a father of young kids and an in-demand intellectual. He also delivers a scathing and scintillating assessment of the many illusions and hypocrisies of the modern world before arriving at a number of challenging and profound conclusions for those of us identified as change makers. Be warned, this episode doesn't pull any punches. It's raw, real, explicit, and in-your-face hilarious. I hope you enjoy hearing about the true resting place of the Golden Goose's skull as much as I did. And now, without further ado, I bring you Tyson Junker-Porter. Tyson, welcome to the Lightfoot Podcast. What's it been like to be you over the last year and a half? You've released this book, Sand Talk, which was amazing and has received just a massive, huge critical reception, particularly in the certain sense-making complexity scenes, but even beyond that. And yeah. yeah, you've been this kind of character in the middle of it. And I mean, I could speak from my side, I've projected all sorts of hopes and dreams onto you, right? Like here's this yeah. indigenous thinker with complexity science, like, yeah, you know, like if anyone's going to save the world, it's Tyson. We were just talking about Elon beforehand and I kind of, I've, I've had you up on a pedestal somewhere with that. I mean, mm. that's got to be... That's got to be tricky, and that's got to have put yeah. a lot of time well, pressure. I'm, I'm and... the product. I'm yeah. the product. Like books don't make money. You know, it's it's not about units sold with that because people don't read books. They they don't say who, who we like. What are you reading? They say who are you reading? Yeah. Um, and that's not how people are consuming me. Mm. Um, people are consuming me in other ways, like this here that that I haven't been clever enough to monetize. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and nor do I want to, because it's just um, that'd be the end of it. Because then I'd be I'd be having to brand myself, and I'd and I'd I'd have to stop saying fuck. And you know, I'd, there's heaps of things that would have to go on there. Um, yeah, but it's it's just been basically me trying to resist being other people's product, mm. um, largely unsuccessfully. I think. Yeah. How do you mean? Know. What are people trying to? Well, I, I, I mentioned from in the book, and uh, like this, and the expectation when I wrote the book is not very many people would read it. It'd be hundreds or maybe a couple of thousand, yeah. maybe 1,500. And I was like, mm. you know, and, and that they'd be mostly, you know, academics and mm. nerds, you know. Um, yeah, but it's kind of, it's kind of taken off from there. And I don't know, it's, it's not the book that's taken off, it's, it's kind of people's expectations of what I am. Yeah, that's kind you know, of what I'm and getting. I've had at. People go, you know, oh, you, you live in Melbourne, but you live in a city. But then, oh, <laughs> you know, and they're a bit disappointed to meet me because you know, oh, I'm no. like standing on one leg with a bone through my nose or something. <laughs> yeah. I think I make it pretty clear, like, yeah, that's <laughs> what kind of a hot mess I am in that book, and yes. <laughs> you know what I mean. But yes. I say at one stage there, like the original title of the book was. Um, uh, forever LTD. That was my, you know, and it was about that reference in that chapter to the idea that the worst possible thing that could happen with this book or these ideas is that civilization mm. would embrace it. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's so it's good how, at that, isn't it? Like That's how this big, massive meta crisis making self-terminating algorithm autopoetic you know, shit bowl that's covered the planet. It's, um, <laughs> that's how it deals with threats. <laughs> yeah. 
it doing it with psychedelic it. medicine right it now. Embraces it embraces them and then just jujitsu's around, keeps the keeps the name, you know, um, you know, rebrands it, sanitizes it, and and puts it out there. It just and that helps the wheel keep turning. And right now I'm just <laughs> turning the wheel. Um, you know, while my own wheels are spinning here, I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> it, it has been really hard. It's been, uh, yeah, it's, it's been a mess, but I do like a puzzle and, you know, so I'm trying to like jujitsu, you know, myself here, but, you know, I'm aware that, I mean, everybody, you know, that there's not much as an individual I can do to resist. Mm. It's, um, you know, everybody believes that they're this fabulous individual that, you know, you know, that can be the change they want to see in the world mm. and that it's just about networking and branding. And if you can change enough attitudes and, you know, get a platform and all this sort of stuff. Yeah. You know, people are still in this illusion of democracy, like their mm. awareness or opinion or ideology matters or has any impact on the earth <laughs> at all. Mm. There is absolutely nothing, <laughs> nothing, no social movement, no ideology, no leader who has remotely changed the course of this machine over the last 40 years. Mm. It's done exactly what it was going to do. Mm. there's been nothing that's disrupted it not for a minute covid did not disrupt it they mm. ramped that shit up every yes. disruption is just an opportunity to ratchet turn the ratchet tighter mm. and it only goes one way you know mm. so this idea this illusion that our opinions matter worth a shit and that they're worth arguing over or even <laughs> half the time worth discussing it's you know for me it's it's, it's uh, my my fallback position it's just you know, we need to make good story and we need to make good cognition because yeah. uh, that's the only thing that will stand the test of time. And that's what we need to leave behind for our um, descendants because mm. uh, they're the ones on the thousand year cleanup. And, and that's where my efforts are focused. And yeah. so that's just whatever I can do there for the five minutes, you know, where, you know, the white gaze is interested in this shiny new thing that they don't mm. quite know how to classify. That's the <laughs> only reason they're interested in it, you know. Yes. And, and, and then, but most of them, the only reason they're interested in me is because at some stage, and it's hard to track where exactly, you know, there was an, I know there must have been some kind of signal that somebody of influence was interested, found me interesting, yeah. you know. And so therefore, you know, it's just, you know, the, the, the schooling of fish after mm. that, you know, it's just, uh, blood in the water and then yeah. off it goes. Um, and that's what, that's going to last what another five minutes. Um, <laughs> in that time, I just, you know, I'm just trying to get enough, uh, private funding together to, um, you know, to really ramp up this, uh, indigenous knowledge system systems lab. Um, yeah, tell creating, us a bit about it. We're creating a deacon. Oh, it's it's just the idea. It's basically, you know, the same thing that's in the book. It's yep. applying an indigenous complexity lens uh, to the problems of the world. It's kind of, you know, ask not what the world can do for your tribe, but what your tribe can do for the world kind of thing. You know, uh, looking out there and because and, basically we're, we're always focused in the academy, the Aboriginal Academy, Aboriginal Torres Strait Islander academics, we're always focused on... Um, you know, uh, helping the community, you know, dealing with the fallout of, you know, racism, colonization, you know, mm. uh, extraction, bloody blah, blah, on the ground, you know, unless what sort of oh, tr programs can we trial and measure, yeah. you know, to, you know, upskill young people for jobs. Oh, this mm. was really successful. Heaps of kids got their uh, 
certificate three in a job that no longer exists, you know, and, and that's the sort of shit that we do. And I'm just like, it's like drying yourself from the feet up when you get out of the shower. It's like, dry your hair first, bros. Like, mm. or at least get out of the shower and turn it off before you start, <laughs> yeah. you know, so it's like trying to figure out a way to turn off the shower and get out of the bastard. It's, um, you know, that's the thing, you know, we need to actually address, you know, the real issues and the real things that cause you know, um, systemic inequality and, yeah. you know, inequality is systemic and that's not an aggregate of people's fabulous opinions and awareness. You don't change that machine by changing people's awareness. I mean, how much has awareness flipped back and forth over the last 30, 40 years, mm. you know, massive swings in public mm. opinion mm. and in all different permutations of that and everybody fabulously being the change they want to see in the world and mm. gathering in their millions around one idea and then the next idea and then the next idea. And what's happened? Nothing, you know, nothing at all. And, 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 and there's never, ever been any correlation shown in any kind of meta-analysis or study or anything that shows a link between changing awareness, mm. you know, cultural awareness or whatever, historical awareness, shifting awareness and making any kind of change in the real world. Mm. And it's just like, ah, I'm sick of it. And that's like an incredibly unpopular opinion, mm. you know, particularly in my community. And, and, and that's the other thing. People who keep trying to put me up there is that I'm a, a representative Aboriginal voice or something. I don't represent mm. anything. It is, you know, wow. And you say as much in the book, but it's interesting how people are, you know, People are, you know, keen, oh, we're going to end racism and we're going to do it by changing people's uh, awareness. And, you know, we've got various different approaches to doing that where we're uh, dialoguing with people or we're, you know, um, you know, running workshops, being supportive, or we're just completely shaming and guilting people into, you know, corners where they have to declare this or that. And, you know, yeah. there's been a mass conversion of people towards anti-racism. There's more than a critical mass of that in the world right now hasn't changed. I mean, things have gotten worse. All right. So what about, do you remember the culture wars around the apology? Yes. In the, in the Howard era that went for yeah, years. I was, I was all anyone talked pretty about. Young, oh, yeah. it's back and forth. Everybody argued over it and we all fought for that because mm. if we have this symbolic apology, oh, that, that, that demonstrates a shift in attitudes in the leadership. What the hell does the leadership do? Yeah. What the hell does the government do? They do what they're freaking told mm. that they can't, they can't make a decision to like, oh, we're going to move towards a degrowth economy. <laughs> mm. They can't even make a decision. Oh, we might, uh, we might tax some of the super profits from mining. Boom. Next day after he says that, Kevin runs in hospital with a mysterious. That moment, illness. what you're and pointing to there, that was the revelation. Later, soft assassinated, and that came out of Washington. Yeah, you know, everybody knows that. If you dig into it. That shit came out of Washington, mm -hmm. you know, the, all the faceless men and that which, you know, nobody ever sort of gets into in the newspapers, but dig around and see who they report to. Yeah. They report to Washington. You know, that was a soft assassination from here because, oh, my God, we don't want people. I mean, that's that's almost like nationalizing resources. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Imagine that. Yeah. The resources didn't belong to oligarchs, but like a tiny percentage went back to the, the country where it was ripped out of, you know. And then, um, you know, Julia Gillard makes the mistake of trying to uh, trade directly with China and cut out the U.S. dollar, uh -huh. which, you know, as you know, the, the U.S. dollar 
you know, as the medium of exchange we all have to use when we trade with each other, that's the only thing that's keeping that pathetic thing afloat. Yeah. You know, it's the only thing that gives it any value is our like demand, which isn't really demand. It's just a gunpoint. So she gets soft assassinated the next day or the next week or something. Not many people make that connection, but, you know, an Aboriginal holistic pattern lens on that makes it pretty goddamn clear. You see all Mm. these things lining up. So what the hell do you think a change in awareness of the leadership or a change in the awareness of the population? We all know the majority of the population wants things to be fair. The majority of the population in the United States and here, here it's, you know, everybody's for, you know, all the things that just make sense about making life tolerable. That's the policies people want. That's the policies after politicians want. It's not going to happen like ever. Anyway, but they'll let us fight for years and make it look like they're resisting it over these stupid freaking things like, oh, the apology to the stolen generations. And that's a terrible thing that I've just said. I'm I'm finished right there with half my community for saying that. But Hmm. listen through to the end because what actually happened? They did the apology Hmm. and then what? We're now in a situation where there are more Aboriginal kids removed and in, in the custody of the state more kids removed from their family than at any other stage in Australia's history. Hmm. And that has to happen if you want to have your economy, your growth-based economy continuing. Hmm. Why does that have to happen? Because that's part of a raft of things that have to happen if you want to be able to ramp up extraction even more to get through this depression that we're facing now. That's how they got through the GFC, so they needed to do that. Aboriginal communities had to be destroyed. Conditions Mm. in Aboriginal communities had to make life intolerable while at the same time, you know, um, you know, uh, but labelled with the the brand with opportunity and, you know, education and, you know, um, you know, all this interventionist stuff, you know, Aboriginal health and closing the gap and all this sort of stuff. But basically it was about rolling out horrendous things on the ground in remote Aboriginal communities that would make life intolerable, that would make sure that people were bound to have to keep checking into the office, mm. you know, several times a week so mm. that they could continue to get their, uh, uh, get their like less than subsistence goddamn doll money uh, to buy, you know, food that will kill you. Yeah. Um, you know, all salt, all processed, all shit food from the local store where it costs 10 times as much as, as groceries cost in the city. Mm. You know, every year there's an inquiry. Uh, if you live in an Aboriginal community, you, you see them coming in. Every year they, they do an inquiry and interview everything and then do an inventory of all the prices in the store to mm. take that back in that report and say, oh, this is intolerable. Uh, mm. They spend millions on that. It's like just subsidize the freaking store with that money. Of course not. That's part of the raft of things to make life absolutely intolerable in our communities because that's necessary to keep people on the back foot um, so that you're able to ramp up the extraction and just kill more of the old people, you know, every year, flu season, Mm. flu shots, and then boom, round it comes, you see like 12 more old people die, you know, around that time and there's, there's just all kinds of things going on there. It's just awful. Um, you know, and, and it's all tied in. I mean, the weed that we get in our communities is very different weed from what you get here in Melbourne. Yeah, you got the stickiest of the icky here, bros. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, we, what we get is, is is shit that's supplied by some mysterious supplier uh, to bikey gangs in cans. Really? 
and, and it's laced with rat poison and all kinds ah. of shit and ah. stuff that does not mellow you out. It drives people crazy. So they go mm. running down the street and then two years later have a heart attack. You know, and that's smuggled in through, you know, programs that are like, you know, uh, you know, supposed to be, you know, uplifting kids and, you know, like, uh, you know, yeah. these special programs that are training programs and mentoring pro. Oh, yeah. And a lot of the mentors, these are the middlemen for the bikey gangs who then use the kids as mules to smuggle those um, that bad weed into the community. And Fuck. everybody on the ground knows that in our communities. Oh. This That's is heavy. all through uh, remote Aboriginal Australia. It's just, it's endless. Our communities are getting absolutely gutted and destroyed. It's it's the basic playbook, and you see it everywhere. You see it, like, just go back from the formation of the CIA, you know, the United Fruit Company. It's the same yeah. playbook that's been happening for the last bloody half a century. Yeah. It's on the record. It's right there. You mm. know that whoever is in charge has absolutely no power to make any difference in any of that that's a yep. machine that's going to keep going and what do you think your poxy little ideology is going to help with that <laughs> what do you think your big campaign to move towards an apology or towards mm-hmm. you know a, a broader public acceptance for this minority or that minority well like you know we need to raise raise awareness for like uh, you know demisexuals you know, um, you know, demisexuals are doing it really tough. And, you know, and, and then, you know, so, we, oh, well, let, let's hear, like, you know. Um, I identify as demisexual, so I'll ask you to be sensitive around All right. Well, I know I'm going to tease you now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tease you now because that's demisexual is. I don't even know what demisexual is. What is it? What? Dude, demisexual means that you don't want to fuck strangers. Okay. Now that's a weird marginal sexuality yeah. now. I think maybe I am. It's like anybody who's that. not on Tinder is like, oh my God, that's a weird sexuality. We've got to give that a name. You know, demisexual. And then I like I read this like sub story, you know, this whole post from this girl is traumatized because like, oh, I came out last night to my parents as demisexual and it was really hard. They They took it really badly. And I'm trying to imagine what does that look like? It's like, you know, I have no daughter. You get out there right now, young lady. You come out with a bag of dicks or don't come home at all. You know, and it's just like, oh, oh. and then there's this, I see that there's all these people campaigning to raise awareness about the plight of poor demisexuals. And then mm. that's where their energy is going. And it's like, well, why not? Because where else are you going to put your energy? Yeah. Are you going to um uh, to uh bring down the asset management funds mm. you know like the ones that that you know <laughs> call bill gates up and say get in here boy yeah yeah <laughs> and definitely takes his hat off and, <laughs> what's going on what are you doing with polio vaccines <laughs> have you sorted out the iprs yet <laughs> you're <laughs> you're on the thin ice bill Get out of here. Ditch that Melinda too. She's getting in the way. Yes, so, no. You know, uh, that's, you know, he, he can't do that. He's a billionaire. And, uh, you know, he um he could give me a million dollars and it would be like me giving someone 20 cents, um, you know, a homeless person down the road. It wouldn't mean anything. <laughs> you know, mm. that's how rich he is and how much yeah. power he is. He, he has. And he can't move anything. 
He can't stop the wheel. He can't even change where the wheel's going. You know, he's just another pawn as well. So what do you think your poxy little platform is going to do? Your poxy little uh, podcast, bros. My Mm. poxy little podcast. You know, this is just, uh, I don't know. The only purpose I can see is that, is that we yarn together in an uh-huh. aggregate of co- collective minds um, as diverse as possible and come up with the cautionary tales embedded in a landscape and, and, and keep alive a memory of what it is to be an organism in a habitat mm-hmm. and to have the law for your community of organisms coming from the land, mm-hmm. to have that as the base of the stack and then your governance model comes from that in a layer your economic system comes from that in a layer to tell the stories of Mm. you know recover the stories of what that was for all of us you know and there are french basque stories for that Mm -hmm. there are french basque structures still in place for that you know you 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 don't have to go far you know um so last night i was talking to a um a Frisian indigenous person, a, a Netherland from the Netherlands, hmm. you know, and and uh, talking about his tracking tracking methodology, and it was just uh, we were both talking up what tracking is that the really big holistic, you know, entire system thing that you do when you're tracking, you're not just following spore, you know. Um, we were talking, and it's exactly the same, you know. So don't tell me it's a there's a white thing or a northern hemisphere thing or a European. Hmm thing that's alien and different you know we all coming from the same kind of cultures that are grounded in the law of the land we are all patterned on the law of the land we're all organisms that are patterned on our habitat yeah you know and these are you know (laughs) these these are always there and you know and we always return to them when the, the you know the, the the big machinery is disrupted, the machinery of the state and the machinery mm. of uh, the marketplace, it's very recent inventions. You know, a nation, the concept of a nation as a form of social organisation, is only a century old. Mm. We, we we think about that that stretches right back to the dawn of time. And, um, you know, even, and here's where, like, most of my community would hate my guts as well for saying it, but, mm. you know, we've taken that on board with the idea of First Nations. Yeah. You know, and um, and there is, you know, there's a valid reason for that. It's like if you don't have a nation, then you lose the right to exist yeah. at the moment. You know, the so it's a the matter table, of survival yeah. and mm. fair enough. But, you know, um, yeah, who's going to keep the stories? You know, not just the old stories, but the new cautionary tales. And these have to be good stories with embedded in the landscape. The goose that laid the golden egg is should be a good story. Yeah. But it's not having any effect on the world. Why is that? Well, it's because it doesn't have a place. Mm. You can't go to that place of that story or you can't reference that place. Mm. You can't go there and say, well, here's the big rock that is the, the, the golden goose's body, you know, and here's the waterway that he followed along as he was dying. And um, if you go you know, um, 50 K is that way. Um, you know, through that, I don't know, Aspen forest and over the ridge down the other side there, you'll find that last golden egg, mm. you know, that big boulder that's there. If you had that, that was in the landscape. I think the golden goose hangs out around, around wall street in New York. I think it has a place, but it's just a bit more modern. Oh, I, I think that's in Manhattan. 
keep his skull like in a bunker underneath that bastard um, <laughs> on a big satanic altar or something. <laughs> no. Fuck, probably. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, get over here. <laughs> yeah, that's who's talking to Bill. The fucking Take golden your pants off. You know. <laughs> I don't know, but you can. I mean, you can see that that in all these like weird conspiracy theories about satanic uh-huh. cults and Luciferian bloody this and that, and yeah. um, you know, you, you can see that 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 striving and that longing, you know, to have story that makes sense of it. Yeah, you know what I mean. Definitely. It's, yeah. it's, people want story, and if if so we much. Can't we're hungry make for good it, story together, it. then individually we'll make bad story. Yeah. Or be manipulated into, like you know, collectively baking QAnon posts into <laughs> yeah. fractal bloody <laughs> nightmares of um, of weirdness. Yeah, you know, but this is just it. It's all, uh, I mean, it's all distraction. It gives us the illusion of um, of agency. You know, this idea we 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 all think we're change makers, and uh, I do not. I'm under no illusions of being yeah. a change maker or ever having the capacity to be one. Mm. I don't think anybody is, yeah. you know, and I get contacted 50 times a week by the next sort of organization or group or movement that's forming, you know, ah, oh, I just come to this realization about, about how fucked the world is. Like, <laughs> so we're going to form a group. You know, it's going to be, all right, so it has to be like, you know, make sure there's gender equality in our group and we have to, you know, and we're going to be trans inclusive and, you know, we're going to have all this thing and we're going to, you know, make sure everyone recycles and we're going to, like, all right, so come and join our group. you got to join our group. We could really use your help and, you know, you could really amplify us. And I'm like, well, you know, what for? Mm-hmm. What for? <laughs> what do you got, a mission statement? What do you got to president and a secretary and a treasurer like you're replicating the same fucking machinery you anus just stop it the only good one that's ever happened is um is is um occupy wall street yeah is the occupy movement because it had no branding nothing no cohesion complete diversity it's chaos absolute diversity but it wasn't chaos because they had um they had governance structures that were emergent Within that, the people are still using now. People have built software platforms based on those governance structures. Yeah, Lumio, huh? They were genius. Mm. You know, the people have done amazing things with that. You know, it was the most generative thing ever, and it's widely regarded as a failure because it had no aims, no goals, no leader, no KPIs, no outcomes to measure, um, no like uh, consistent message. No, (laughs) but you know, it's produced more than any other movement. It um, blooded a generation of, of folks. Like I'm particularly connecting in with a whole bunch of people around about my generation who yeah. we were young. I was in my early 20s for that. And yeah. it blew our fucking socks off. Like it was just yeah. like, what is this? And it was also really frustrating because, yeah, yeah man, everyone, you know, it, it was beautiful, but it was difficult and it was hard. And it's it's been about, you know, 10 years now and – I feel like we're coming back around for like another round of it with some tools, with some extra, extra skills. And that's, yeah, that's pretty, that's pretty exciting. Actually. Mm. I like that feeling of, 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 of what's going to emerge. I was hoping extinction rebellion was going to be 
was going to be that, but I haven't been able to be as involved in that. That was a bit smaller. It's a different time now. Yeah. Like 4chan back in the day was still something where there was, you know, the possibility to generate something interesting, you know, but it's just, um, it's just the world's a different place now. You know, there isn't anything that isn't performative. Yeah. You know, the Extinction Rebellion was just a whole heap of people. It's just selfies of people on hunger strikes. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's probably really insulting to a lot of people who did a lot more than that. But still, you know, it was, it's, nothing can be, nothing cannot be self conscious. Yeah. Cannot be, you know, um, Ugh. You that know, strikes to my heart based on what I'm doing. I'm podcasting with you. There's an element of performative consciousness in all no, of no, no. any message spreading that is, uh, a, it's kind of a demon that I'm having to slay in myself. We're, not, we're, we're, building, we're building relationship. Yeah, that's true. And we're, we're building knowledge and we're building story. Yeah. Like these are the only things that last. Yeah. The knowledge that sits in those relationships and then intergenerationally through those relationships, that yeah. becomes the story. That's the emergent ground for story uh, that will last. And yeah. the cautionary tales particularly that we need coming out of this mm. era that will last. And, and that's what we're doing now. That's why yeah. the yarns are everything. Mm. Now, yarns are the only thing you can do. You still can't change your condition you know, yeah. with the yarn. Story doesn't change mm. your condition. But it changes the condition for a few generations down the track. It um it gives them the things they need, the tools they need. Yeah. Well, let me in this in this context you've just painted. Let me put this. I'm getting a bit caught up on meta narratives lately. I'm enjoying it. I'm into the whole meta modernism thing in a big way, and uh, I'm liking this kind of like yeah. Let's let's. I I I wrote a book called uh, Collective Blooming, and I put forward this. I'm trying to put forward a new narrative. Is it out? Yeah. Um, uh, You got it there. Ta-da. Nice man. Oh, yeah. I like the graphic there. For yeah. sure. And it's a it's a I'm trying to tell a big story. And the reason I'm most excited to yarn with you is because I feel a little bit unsure in like my storytelling capacities. You know? And I'm I'm getting to this point. It was John Zerzan that blew my socks off while I was researching this book. I got mm. into him and I got into the anthropology from the 1960s and I got into this Marshall Salins and the stories of what the fuck? Like we don't need to create something new for 2 mm. million years. We were living in what seemed like perfect harmony and I don't want to romanticize it too much, but it seemed pretty fucking good. Equality, peace, connection, presence, all of it. And mm. Reading that, uh, with occasional those studies. experiments, occasional experiments in permanent hierarchies and civilizations. Yeah, everybody does that, you know. Yeah, you no, know, yeah, but they the reverse dominance hierarchy kept them when, when they're younger. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I love that. Yeah. And then I've got to this point where I'm kind of like, this is a pretty beautiful story that for myself that I've I've, I've been weaving, but. I feel a bit like I'm completely fucking divorced from culture, man. Like I'm mm. Irish on one side and Jewish on the other through Australian English lineage, but I've got no idea about either of those cultures. I'm living here in Australia. I mean, I feel the spirit of the land. I feel a lot of sadness here, to be honest. Mm. And mm. yeah, I was out at a festival a couple of years ago. I live in Thailand most of the year and here for some of the okay. year and 
I really felt the the tragedy of the of the bush and the what felt to me like this layer of just just kind of mourning that's kind of over the top of it. And um, I guess what I'm trying to move towards is some sort of synthesis of like, you know, I don't want to fucking pilfer the stories of the indigenous people here, but I recognize that there's roots and there's lineage and there's there's so much narrative that is so wealthy here and it's trying to do that blend, you know? There isn't, there isn't a community in Australia um, that has had embassy uh, with the Aboriginal community more than the Irish. Yeah. Most of the Aboriginal family ma- names you, you'll find will be Irish names. The Irish come yeah. here straight away and they were, they were pretty much indentured labourers, slaves. Yeah. You know? And um, the British practice them is something They understood say. what was going on here because they, they, they just have, what, 500 years of it, you know. And <clears throat> they, they, they were talking language, mm. you know, like they had their own language. They, they were mm. they were they were talking Irish. Yeah, <laughs> you know they they still understood, you know. Or, well, you know it, it was still a life of the land, then, you know, even though it was like quite feudal, yeah. and, and you know that uh, horrendous, you know, empire building uh, of the UK and all that sort of thing. But look, mm. you know, they got here and and they did sit down with people and they married in. Yeah, you know, they didn't take women. They married in to Aboriginal communities. The Irish have been doing that forever here. Interesting. Not much about that history. And most of, um, look, most of of what's good about Australia has been about a dialogue between Celtic peoples and Aboriginal people. And so that's how, um, okay, that's that's what Australian rules is. Yeah. It was a hybridization of Gaelic football and and Aboriginal ball game. Mm. Um, You know, it's heaps of anything good about Australia happened in dialogue between the Irish. And blackfellas, mm. and, and that's all. <laughs> that's all there is, you know. So I mean, you have you have a history and a lineage here, and you, you uh, practically a treaty, or, or, uh, you know, at least by custom, you know, yeah. of, of your people marrying in here. And uh, I think you should just go easy on yourself, come in, and yeah. um, but bring your bring your. Bring, bring, bring your culture and this fragments of it. And you were like, well, I don't know anything about standing stones and fucking leprechauns and shit. I don't know anything about fairy. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Look, uh, uh, here's what you need to do. You need to find a nursery somewhere that has, uh, that's growing blackthorn, hmm. uh, blackthorn, and you can get a sapling if you can of that. Uh-huh. And then look up on the, on the web, um, uh, look up uh, shillelaghs. Shillelaghs. All right. What's that? Yeah. Uh, I can't. I'm not even sure how it's spelled, but it's there's different spellings because it's weird Celtic spelling. Shillelagh. Uh-huh. Shillelaghs. Anyway, so a shillelagh is an Irish fighting stick, oh. right? And, and traditionally they make it out of blackthorn. Awesome. And yeah, and and I've like um, you know experimented with making these with Irish fellows before, just yeah. as a way of like you know. Um, you know, connecting with something that they can walk with here. Yeah. You know, but that's connecting them, you know, to the rest of their tale of their ancestry as well. Yeah. You know, so yeah, look up shillelaghs, you'll see heaps of them. And as you, as you research it more, you'll see that the design changed during the British occupation um, Mm. because they used to be kind of like these big fighting, these fighting sticks, 
and, and they could even be huge war clubs and there are all these different things. Um, but it changed with the British occupation because they weren't allowed to have weapons, mm. uh, but they were allowed to have a walking stick. Mm. So they changed the design. Kind of like capoeira style. Even, yeah, some of them were like uh, weighting the ends with lead and all that sort of thing. So they, they were walking with this walking stick, but then, you know, at a moment's notice, they could just take out a garrison or whatever. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, these sticks. Anyway, the shillelagh has got a beautiful tradition, like, uh, you know, uh, pre-colonial and then colonial colonization or whatever you want to call it of um of ireland yeah and um yeah sit, sort of sit with that plant for a while and then eventually cut it and strip it take the bark off and um and then let it season for a month or two <clears throat> and then you know read up any history and tell stories and talk to people about shillelaghs uh look at this heaps of photos of them online all different mm. kinds so get a sense of all the massive diversity of shillelaghs there and then, you know, sit with that, that wood and, and, and find your way through to carving the right shillelagh for you. Yeah. And then just walk with it. Walk with it for a few years. Tell stories. Get yourself a black girlfriend. Hey! <laughs> I don't know, man. Um, Got one nearly. She's Thai. She's close. She's a lot more avatar than I am, put it that way. Avatar. Hey. Uh, uh, uh. It's because that- I'm blue, isn't it? yeah that um that struck me pretty deeply your avatar depression thing i was like fuck i googled that not long ago that's actually a thing people wanted to commit suicide after watching the movie there was a whole website they set up about that and that and it was massive yeah it was a plague yeah it was a plague it was almost as big as the opioid crisis (laughs) people fell into a deep depression just oh fuck this life (laughs) <laughs> I wonder I what this. James Cameron's going to do with the next ones. Well, he's got two, well, I, three, I think, four, and five coming out. He's working on yeah, these four. He's probably finished finished two or three already, like years ago. Yeah, but he can't bring them out yet because he doesn't want half the world to kill himself. Like they've got to figure <laughs> yeah, out. The they've got to get the medication right. They've got to get the dosage <laughs> right on the Avatar depression before they release. That's the what the vaccines right. are. They're preparing people yeah. for the next Avatars. Yeah, you know. Uh, I've heard, I just imagine by the time it comes out, Sam Worthington's going to be sort of like 70 years old. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I am the chosen one. Yeah. I'm your messiah. Yeah. Um, he, can, yeah. he can fight the golden goose at the end of that. There we go. Jesus. Um, I've got, I've got, all right. So I want to, I've got questions for you. They feel a bit moot after your intensely powerful, uh, rant like deconstruction of reality that we began with but they're important anyway so i I wanted to talk to you about um this this kind of split between animism and empiricism and Mm. i feel like i have a mini jim rat and a mini tyson yunker porter inside of me and they're like i see spirit in everything and i connect with uh, the essence of things and everything is alive. But then I've also got this empiricist who's like wanting to check stuff out and get objective yeah. truth and is a little worried that, you know, if we don't have some sort of common agreement system around our narratives, then we're just going to be at each other's throat uh, bef- before yeah, we know it. But that, and, that's right. Uh-huh. And and there's there's nothing in that that's antithetical to an Aboriginal, you know, traditional method of inquiry. Hmm. 
the way we make sense of the world and build meaning collectively and uh, examine knowledge, test knowledge, and, and gradually bring knowledge in, um, knowledge production, knowledge transmission, you know, it, it's not through gradual trial and error like Ugg going, oh, that plant killed him, you know. Mm-hmm. No, it, it, it wasn't that. You know, it is a very rigorous method of inquiry. And mm. it doesn't, so you, you do hang out with any group of Aboriginal people who are yarning up to try and decide like what something means, huh. you know, and it's a very rigorous process of collectively um, seeking to verify or falsify, you know, both both at once. It's, it's verifying and falsifying um, whether that is a something or a nothing. Mm. Is, is how we say it in Aboriginal English. Is that a something or is that a nothing? And mm. that's it. You know, it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's empirical, but it's just, it, it's not like, you know, an observer or an observer viewpoint. It's, it's many viewpoints. Yeah. At once on something, it's an aggregate of views. And it's also an aggregate of, um, I want to say minds, but that, that sort of makes it feel like it's the brain, like one big brain, but it's, mm-hmm. a, it's a, thought of more as one belly. Mm. You know, when the group comes together like that, it's, it gives you computational power, especially if you connect it to place significantly while you're doing it. Mm. And you're, you know, you're computing everything in the context and all the pattern yeah. and really understanding and coming to a decision as to whether it's a something or nothing. How, yeah. And then where it I sits in the body that. of knowledge. And once it sits there in that body of knowledge, then, then you have to figure out what that, you know, new story for that, how that comes into the law, how it, how it works, how it all fits together. So you've got those two things together and they seem different, but they only seem different by the, I know, the um, ideological brandings of this moment, yeah. which will last five minutes and I couldn't yeah. give a fuck. You've got half the world who will, you know, and, and, and then fracture into a thousand groups and, you know, they'll police every sort of aspect of this according to some fleeting ideology of this moment. So not going to mean anything in 10 years. Yeah, it's not going to mean anything at all, and it'll switch back and forth. They'll pass mm. it back and forth like a ball. So, like cancel culture right now, which ostensibly was invented by the left and is owned by the left. Mm-hmm. It's like in its third permutation or something now, mm. and it and it, it wasn't owned by the left before. Like, do you remember what what uh, cancelled? What the what the term was originally? It was called being Dixie checked. Mm, I haven't heard that. Do you remember that shit? Or called being Donahued. Okay. was another one. That was, was original cancelling. The original cancel culture came out of uh, anybody who questioned the Iraq war. Ah, yes, right. The invasion of Iraq. Anybody who questioned that, they got Dixie-checked. Mm. That, was, that was the verb. And, you know, that, so that was a, that was a right-wing tactic. And that's massive. I mean, there was, you know, threat. Oh, Dixie-checks, I mean, that included... Death threats, uh, constant threats of sexual violence, mm. misogynistic rants, again, the most hateful things, completely destroyed there. I mean, they're, they're never coming back. Yeah. And, and then they got <laughs> recently, they've got Dixie chicked again, but by the left, because the left took up the ball then and, and turned it into something else. And they'll pass it back again. <laughs> you know, it'll just keep going around. It's beach volleyball here. It, I'm not gonna like align anything I think or say al- along with those 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 weak tides of bloody brief attitudes flaring up with which are just fashion, mm. you know, and then and, and 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 bloody you know recycled fashion what they call it 
cyclic fashion as mm-hmm. these things come around and they just get rebadged a little bit and you know and then it flips onto something else it's like you're going to talk body and soul from that mm-hmm. you're going to throw mm-hmm. everything behind that in this moment yeah you know i nearly got a bill cosby tattoo when i was 18 <laughs> oh shit I can imagine that now. You do not. <laughs> you don't want to fight. Throw yourself would have had to change stuff. it a bit. Yeah. <laughs> it's not Bill Cosby. It's um, who yeah. looks like Bill Cosby. I don't want to get in trouble with that. Jesus. It's just it's just insane. But um, I don't know. But that's the thing. You, so, so, yeah, you start, you're zooming on you the, the bigger. Just now, and then you go, I don't want to get in trouble with that. It's like, no. Yeah. You, the you bigger know, stories, I right? Know, I, the bigger I don't have myths. time for that. And it's just, and, and I don't think of myself as being important enough to protect. What? What am I supposed to protect against against that? Yeah. You know, this this sort of mythical oh, thing everyone's afraid of. But what what's going to happen? I'll get. See, the worst thing now is <laughs> is it was to be Dixie checked before, man. You were finished. Mm. But now it's like almost the best thing that can happen to you. Yeah, kind of if freed get, of the the game. Well, no. If you get cancelled now, you sell a million books. Yeah, you did Jordan Peterson style. Yeah, for sure. You, you know what I mean. And, yeah. and and they're all complaining about it. Jordan's always talking about how afraid he is, you know, of all this opposition. It's like, no, you I, just. I mean, that's what that's paid for your house, man. Like, just fucking chill. You know, relax. You're right. You never have to work another day again. There's Already. another outcome though that mm-hmm. some people that get cancelled. You. There's a freedom that comes on the other side of it, other than just the money of like, yeah. well, fuck this. I'm going to say what I want and I'm going to just, yeah, the, I've seen it in a few thinkers that I'm into. Oh, and yeah. it's, they go into some of their richest yeah. streams. It sounds like you started well, in that. I mean, did you get cancelled at some point in your own way by different peoples no, or cultures no, or you've just really. always been it's, a bit of a weird. rebel? It's, it's weird. I've been, um, I don't know, kind of. You'd expect that I would have been by now. Yeah, um, it seems like it. Yeah. You're pretty hard to pin down, though. You're pretty mercurial. I think you've got a good, like, low-key trickster-like. It, it doesn't matter about that. You just um, you just pick something. You get a sound bite, and if it doesn't quite say what you want, you can just tweak it a bit, and it doesn't matter. And just, um, you know, I don't know. It's surely coming. But that's that's what I say. It's like, you know, these things are fleeting windows. You don't um, expect them to be last for long or forever I'd, frankly i'd just enjoy the break and it wouldn't be about freeing me up to start to say all kinds of wild shit and turn into a black stefan molyneux overnight it'd just <laughs> uh it'd 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 just allow me to just drop off the radar and <laughs> yeah and just do my work um yeah and yeah i'd preferably just freaking i mean have a minute to i i haven't i haven't uh, when are you going to write something new? Or when are you going to give me? A, when are you going to give me a minute? Yeah, I had two hours this afternoon, and then you call me. <laughs> do this no. one. That's that's every day. Yeah, yeah. That's like I don't know. This, last night I'm sitting up till one o'clock in the morning waiting to get in on a call with Anwar Ibrahim. You know, I don't the, the freaking Malaysian uh, opposition leader. He was the oh, one. Really? He was the he was the deputy. Prime Minister or President, I can't remember what they got there. What's his story? Well, he started um, uh, when he was the Deputy PM, he he was starting to try and stop corruption, uh, tackle corruption. So they threw him in jail. (laughs) Mm. Anyway, they let him out. 
while back and now he's the leader of the opposition. Him and, I don't know, the Bolivian minister of, I don't know, some wow. freaking thing. So I'm what waiting up fuck? till two o'clock in the morning for that call. And, you know, that's that's just, it's just these days of just, just endless freaking things. And, you know, and it's still like, I don't know, like in our culture where it's hard to say no to people, mm. you know, if people need something that you've got and you kind of got to give it to them. And, you know, and my most precious resource is time. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, people, what are you writing? I'm a fucking nut. Yeah. Is <laughs> that what you want to be doing? Here. If you had the time, would it be more writing? Oh, yeah. I, I think it would just be more family. Yeah. More seeing my kids. Um, yeah. And more, I mean, I have to stay in Melbourne for another three years. But if I had more time, I'd be, I'd be doing more moving back and back and forth between here and home. Um, yeah. You know, there's a lot of family I haven't seen since before COVID now. Uh, I was supposed to go back at Christmas, but then, you know, I should have seen that coming. Because um, as soon as the, you know, the restrictions were dropped, you know, every landlord panic sold their house, you know, ahead of, you know, worrying about the the next lockdown and, yeah. you know, tenants not being able to pay their rent, and, but then not being able to kick them out. So, you know, they all panic sold and, and I don't know. See that that market's been in, being inflated and stuff now. And that's happened. That's following the United States as well. Yeah. You can have a you can have a, a, a double income household, like a you know, um, you know, two spouses together with no kids right now, and they're both on over a hundred k a year, and have no hope. Uh, and in, in with the current prices. Um, no hope of owning a home within the next 50 years <laughs> in the United States. That's, that's where insane. that's at now. That shit's blown up. That, that's that's insane. So that that bubble, that bubble. I mean, it can only go so far. You know, they 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 ran that experiment on your homeland there, your ancestors, um, Ireland. They did it there first. They got the playbook there, and then they mm. did it here. And if you watch, even the uh, the speeches when they were talking it up. Um, so the, the TV advertisements, but also the political pundits and all their speeches, um, mm-hmm. word for word, same script. When they were promoting that and, and, and whipping it up and uh, training everybody to go, oh, look, no, this is equity. You'll, you'll find this yeah. like money in the bank. You're, you're, yeah, this is money you can have now. <laughs> mm. um, and, and, you know, yeah, yeah, no, you're like a, you're a businessman. You know, you buy real estate. You know, and you can negatively gear this and do all that, and this is how you get ahead and bloody blah, blah. They did that in Ireland, and then and they're still stuffed. So yeah. they ran that right the way through. That was the blueprint. Um, and then you know they started in Australia, and um, yeah, and the and and the US as well. And I guess we'll see where it all ends up, but probably the same place as Ireland. I can't yeah. see it going anywhere else. Can you? Mm. Not when they're running exactly the same script. Yeah. I spend <laughs> so, less of my time looking at the system, the flaws. I did my old 20s doing that. And now I'm the danger of what I'm doing now is that you just, I'm just firmly focused on the Buckminster Fuller approach of like, well, let's create the system that we want to see. And so yeah. I've been doing that with community building and with, you know, eco architecture and you name it. I'm thinking of these systems and, I'm just just trying to focus 
fully on what what we can build and what we can create. And I realized that I was just so. Have you changed the zoning? Changed the zoning? How do you mean? Well, have you changed the the structural inequality of how people get zoned out of certain zip codes, depending on who they are? Is there not still yet. a caste system? In you're building your eco home in. You're not just building it, you know, on the on the land. You're yeah. Building it within within a caste system, you Def- know, where people are excluded. Sure. Um, yeah. From that place, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And um, mm. in the I end, haven't started building yet. I've just been it. designing the structural inequality is um and and, and you know you, you can build at eco-friendly as you like and what is it? smart homes too eco and smart at the same time like <laughs> you know which way is it going to go um but in, in the end that's um you know social mobility is only trending one way at the moment you know so eventually you'll find yourself locked out of your smart eco village mm-hmm. uh, when you come home one night and there's been no room for nuance and for some reason, you know, mm-hmm. your bank account was fucking frozen or your pay didn't go through. And so therefore the rent didn't go out and now that door's locked and mm-hmm. you're going to need to spend 170 hours on online to an AI call center to try and get back in your house. And then, but then you're not meeting other conditions in your smart contracts, of course, because you're uh, smelly when you turn up for work and you, mm-hmm. <laughs> And you get sick because you've been sleeping on the street. So then you got a fever and then your body gets scanned. And so then you can't get to your desk and then you don't get paid at all. And uh, you're just going to get smart contracted right down into the underclasses with the rest of us, bros. And then Shit. Some, fuck, some fucking oligarch will just trade your eco village or your smart <laughs> eco home um, onto somebody else as a place to park their capital. <laughs> so brutal. You know, when we're fostering the conditions for emergence, um, you know, of things we're, we're not going to be able to design the new system. Um, <clears throat> you know, yeah. not, I mean, you might be able to design some things that will last as a transitional sort of thing. Uh, if you were building on the ashes of the wheel, but while uh-huh. the wheel's still turning, you're, you're not designing shit. Hmm. You know, that's just grist for the mill. That's, that's going to get sucked into that. You know, that that's going to be, that's going to be some dude's holiday home. Hmm. Yeah, or, yeah, be, you know, the, or you know, or it'll be he'll he'll give it away to the head of his fucking private army or something, um, as an incentive to try and figure out how how to stop you know the private army from breaking through the doors of his bunker and stealing all his brandy. You know, it's it's just it's it's just all it's just all horseshit. And I'm not killing your hope or anything here because mm, it's mm-hmm. for me this, this gives I don't know. There's something better than hope. You know, there's a certain freedom there, huh? looking at what really, really is. Yeah. Looking what really what systemic inequality is and yeah. what's really causing it and then understanding what you really can do about it. And then, okay, so mm-hmm. where really is my agency? It's just in building my relationships right here. Yeah. I have to build my relationships and I have to be, you know, somebody who's making sure that a good way of having real relationships is still alive somewhere in the world. Mm. You know, you build those relationships, you know, you network together with people and you can, what you can do is put like kind of networks in place or allow them to develop where there's, you know, potentially, you know, people are networked and sharing stuff they've grown in their gardens and there's little co-ops happening and stuff like that. There's Mm -hmm. potentially something that can be scaled up uh, quickly, you know, within six months 
yeah. uh, once we in in a moment if if the supply chains fail, you know mm-hmm. the big global ones for polishing apples in eight different countries and landed on your. We door. saw how brittle they were with the the pandemic. Yeah, lately. exactly. So you've seen two or three before. days. So, yeah, um, it doesn't take much to convince people of that now, and and people like doing it, and you know you have relationships with these people, and you start to form. Anyway, so those things kind of just being in place, you know, they can scale pretty quickly within six months if those good relational connections and informal community economies are running uh-huh. at the local level. Then, mm-hmm. then they can scale enough to keep everybody alive as needed down yeah. the track when, you know, when the satellites fall out of the sky because you can have as much crypto as you like, but none of it works without fucking satellites, bros. And, you know, and there's... <laughs> There's not many satellites with the lasers and the mechanical claws right now. So, yeah. You know what I mean? But there's a few. And there's that's a all few. It, but this, what you you're need. pointing at, I want to I want to sit with it for a minute because it's it's this bizarre So if we looked at like the split that I was mentioning before that I mm. feel a bit around the animist empiricist thing, mm. the this is similar like what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, sure. I'm hustling. I'm trying to make as much crypto as I can. And I'm trying to, you know, like keep the technology going. But I, inside, I know that it's just, we're, we're just on completely the wrong track. And the only thing that matters is But your praxis is, is that, making a story, uh-huh. a, a decentralization story of what works and what doesn't work. Mm. Uh-huh. You know? And you're you're creating a cautionary tale, um, you know, or, or at least the manure for a cautionary tale, um, you know, about hierarchies. Yeah. And essentially, in the end, what comes to all boils down to is trust. Yeah. And trust is not something you can take out of the equation. It's not something mm. you can outsource um, to a, a, a demonic entity or a or a godling or a bloody, you know. Uh, an algorithm or anything else mm. trust can't be outsourced to tech or uh, to a glorious leader or to anything, you know, that, that trust has got to be something you build. And so once again, that's the only affordance that you need. Yeah. And you already know how to do that. Mm. It's about whether you'd be brave enough to build those relationships, like just around your home. Mm. I, I mean, I'm talking like that's something I'm doing really well. I'm fucking not. <laughs> You know, I'm really not. I've, I've never been more out of relation in my life than I am right now. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, I'm a completely disconnected being. Uh, not completely disconnected, but, you know, badly Yeah. Uh, connected. What's led you there? Oh, just all the stuff we were talking about earlier. It's yeah. The, um, yeah. Yeah, it's just um, it's trying to make this life work. Yes. Um, when we're isolated from extended family and I uh, can't travel and both have full-time work commitments and full-time looking after babies, two babies Fuck. commitments. Yeah. Um, that's and, a doozy. You know, and, and that's it. And, you know, most of the people, you know, you know, they're lovely, but they're not people who want to get into the relational soup if it involves, you know, shitty baby nappies. No, nobody wants to hang out with people who are kids for longer than 15 minutes. Yeah. Because this is, it, it's, a it is a, um, it's a, it's a society. We're living in a society here and that's Aboriginal and non-Aboriginal people. If you're in this city, you know, it's a society 
that um, detests children. It, it's not made for children. And it's mm. especially, well, there's only one thing I hate more than children, and that's mothers. It's the most, it's the most, there are, there's no mother affordance anywhere in any of this built environment here. It's everywhere is hostile to women yeah. and mothers. And, um, you know, and I guess there was a last quiet space that, you know, a, a, a woman and a, or a mother or, you know, and all of that unpaid work um, that basically keeps the economy going <laughs> and keeps the machinery of the whole civilization going. The last little space to that for that was the house, you know, the walls of the house and the yard around it. You know, so at least like women just had that last tiny fragment of agency. <laughs> and but now that's not your house anymore. That's your office. You know, yeah. and she doesn't have that anymore. Mm. There's no there's nowhere for a mother to be. Um, yeah, it's everything's getting squoze down tighter and tighter, you know. And so this is the milieu of my dysfunction. It's yeah. this kind of um, the space of impossible relations, you know. Um, I, I, you know, I have a lot of like amazing, you know, I've got a bromance going with Jim Rudd, yeah, which is <laughs> which is just awesome, you know. Yeah. And but like, he would describe that as a weak link, yeah, because I've never sat on his porch and never skinned deer had with a, him, had a scotch and eaten a bit of deer that he's just shot in the face. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a strong link. But weak link is this one that we're doing now. But it's a link nonetheless, and it's, I'll take it. It's better than nothing. Nice. Strong link is when you and me and and the wizard fox, um, you know, finally get together and and, um, and have a decent yarn. I love that. We can... Um... Throw some shillelaghs around as well. What's the what's the indigenous version of that? You you carving's your thing, isn't it? Bundi, Bundi, Wadi, your point. Lots of words for it. It's just fighting clubs. Everywhere you go in the world, there's fight. There's fighting clubs. Have you trained much in martial arts? Has that ever been part of your journey? Um, I did Muay Thai when I was younger Mm. for a bit, but you know, I mean, until like. I spent time with Thai people and I just went, oh, no. They're like, no, you're too young. No, no, you're too old. <laughs> like, I'm just late 20 something. Which way? No, you're too old. You got to start when you're 10. And I'm like, oh, yeah. shit. You know. <laughs> and then, you know, I'm, I'm in the house and they've got like all this, like, uh, like, you know, like this huge altar over one wall with all these bottles of different liquids and, and big Buddha statues and incense and candles and stuff. And I'm like, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm like gammon with this Muay Thai. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> it's just stealing something, you know, a product, a sanitized mm. product or something that, you know, you know, and I'm not learning it from a Thai person. I'm, I'm learning it from like this sort of little dude is like, you know, <laughs> Oh yeah, I can't wait till I can get back over to Thailand, Rose. Can get to get us money. You know, it's really good. Oh yeah. Now look, look. Here's what happens, right? What you want to do? You got to get that knee up high, son. You got to get your knee up high. Because if you don't, some Thai cunt's going to come along and nail you. You know. And 
So that's where that's how I was learning Muay Thai. And yeah, no. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. And I did boxing. Like everybody does boxing, like up when they're coming up, you know. Yeah. Well, that's something. Like you do it. And then, you know, uh, just heaps of just street fighting and all that kind of stuff, of course. And, you know, gamma just playing around. Um, yeah. But I've got this uh, Geordie fellow right now. He's um, trained me up every now and then. I get a session with him. He's yeah. He's really good. It's it's just no bullshit. It's very good. <laughs> he's like, here's how you defend against somebody grabbing your shirt. <laughs> yeah. Go on, grab your shirt. So I grab his shirt and he smashes me in the face. That's how you defend against that. <laughs> <laughs> when in doubt, hit the bastard. You know. <laughs> so it's awesome. I just go into his shed and he and he just beats the shit out of me with sticks for. <laughs> <laughs> an hour and I come out covered in bruises and, and, and just, I know where my edges are. And I'm like, it's just this yes. sense of relief. It's so weird. I just feel this just relief. It's like, Oh, I've had a real interaction. Yes. It's something that felt like the real world. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That's not digital blood coming out of my nose right now. It's probably <laughs> yes. It's my own blood. I'm bleeding. You know? <laughs> yeah. And you just walk a bit taller for a minute. You feel yeah. better. Your limbic system just settles. It's weird because it doesn't, you know, hyper-aggressify you. It actually just really calms you down. So, you know, he's pretty much saved my life this year, that fella. Nice. Love his work. Jim Armstrong, you can find him on LinkedIn. He's like, he's the best trainer you'll ever find. He's just, um, he's no bullshit whatsoever. Yeah. And he does stuff. I mean, you know, it sounds like he's just rough and stuff, but all around in his studio on the walls, he's got pictures of babies. Mm. Babies. All, all the positions that babies go into and their first movements and their really? first everything they go through right up to standing. And that's where he starts you off. He's like, right. Whoa. no, you're not a man, now you're a baby. And <laughs> you've got to do everything a baby would do to go through your developmental stuff to get to where you need to be properly, you know. Because wow. is everything in how a baby moves that that's your foundations, you know. Yeah. Of how to get up, how to move, how to turn, how to <laughs> really everything. Interesting. Yeah. It's mad. The way of the, the the baby's fist. The way of the baby. The, the baby fist. Baby cobra. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's deadly, but yeah, loving his work. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, but we have to have the martial arts discussion because that's the space, isn't it? You know, if you're in anything like adjacent with, you know, tech bro, crypto, bloody um, uh-huh. uh, uh, integral theory, bloody, uh-huh. you know, game B. Yep. Yep. Intellectual dark web. Uh-huh. So Rogan, Lex fucking Freeman. If you're yep, in that yep. universe and it's a big constellation there. It's big. You don't have to be at the center of it, but if you're remotely in the gravitational pull of that, you have to be doing a martial art and you have to talk about that. <laughs> they all do it, eh? Yeah. Oh, yeah, man. Yeah, man. Every fight, every fight, man, man ends up on the ground, man. Yeah, every fight. That's like, <laughs> yeah. fuck that. My trainee is like, same as me. And that's the reason why I picked him because he's the only one I've ever found who says this. Uh-huh. You know, if a fight ends up on the ground, you didn't hit him hard enough, you know. <laughs> That's yeah, it. Yeah. The fight should never end up on the ground. When in doubt, hit the bastard. <laughs> <laughs> I've skipped that whole part 
Well, I trained a bit in Eskrima. Never played with that before. Yeah. It's like the, He's the, teaching me know. that. I got yeah, my sticks. Fun. Yeah, Eskrima's fun. Yeah, man. Wait there, I made my own. I yeah, made my own. And this, this comes to the shillelagh thing. Have you got them there? I want to see them. Just, can you wait Grab for them. a sec? Yeah, sure. Yes. <laughs> nice. So they look mean. They look pretty yeah, hefty. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well. So we're we're always talking through too because I'm um, I'm talking through that indigenous martial art side of you know you've got that parrying shield and then that club. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. You know, and so he's like, oh yeah, that works like this. You can push with that one. That's good. You know, and figuring out all that sort of thing. But yeah, look there. So these I, I made like they're not quite as screamer sticks as you can see. They got that, um, a bit of you know that that mold. that wadi sort of shape. Yeah. So they're kind of uh, I don't know. The only ones I know how to make that remotely you could use for a screamer are the throwing throwing bondies. Yeah. Throwing sticks. So yeah, I've made two <laughs> of those, roughly the same. I made this one slightly lighter because I need to build up my left. Let's battle. Let's get together. Let's 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 talk complexity science while we beat the shit out of each other with big wooden sticks. Oh, that man. sounds like a, a fun day. I do have the rat, rattan stuff too, so that they don't explode in our faces. So yeah, no, let's nice. definitely do that. I, I need someone to play with. Yes. Let's meet and flog each other with sticks. <laughs> yeah. I'm a total novice. I'm I'm as much a novice and a screamer as I am in complexity theory and, and the rest. <laughs> Tell someone. Uh, like I said to Jim Rutt, you know, I feel like Borat. Yeah, you know, oh, yeah, I'm walking definitely. around like, "Hello, <laughs> yeah. this is People this stranger the world." Oh, yes, <laughs> and everyone's being really polite, <laughs> you know. And they're not quite sure what to think, and there's lots of long, uncomfortable pauses, and you know. <laughs> what What about what's it been like? You've just launched a podcast. You've been yarning with indigenous folks. Is that been, that must be fun to be touching into the different cultures? What are you finding? Yeah, What's the- like, uh, all around the world, people. Yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, yeah, and I, I'm trying. I'm trying not to just use my mates. Like, yeah, know, I've done like two or three of my mates, but I've got like fifty. Like you know, um, you know, people who are you know we're always yarning and. All got yeah. all the really good, good yarns, good stories. Uh-huh. That I sort of, but I'm going to just gradually salt them through. I'm trying to have the discipline of talking outside of my um, echo chamber. Talking to strangers, we're back to the demisexual thing again, huh? That's it. That's it. I'm trying to break out of my my demisexual methodologies. <laughs> yeah. My demi intellectualism. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. I've been playing around. Uh, here's a, here's a, the edgy, edgiest idea I've got right now. Well, what about this idea of new indigeneity? So I've been playing around with this idea of neo-tribalism for the last seven or eight years. I came across that term and I missed the party. I was too late. The people had already had their conference and decided that the term was too cultural appropriate or something like that. But it really spoke to me because it's um, this sociological idea that we evolved in tribes for 2 million years and we're yeah. basically, we're going to be fucked until we get back into some version of that. Um, that's where the kind of John Zerzan thing comes in a bit of anarcho-primitivism. But yeah, going beyond that, 
There was, was already it? a Celtic revival. Yeah, tell me about that. Oh, look it up. It was a very big movement. Uh, went for a really long time. It was when the, the culture was nearly gone, the language was nearly gone, all the tradition, all the story was nearly wiped out by the British imperialism, you know? Hmm. And, um, and there was a massive reclamation movement. Yeah. They were calling it the Celtic Revival, and, and it went for decades. And, you know, finished up with, you know, um, language programs in schools and everybody in the community talking language. You know, a lot of the old traditions revived, all the stories. You got your, you know, um, you know, oral culture kind of bards memorizing all the big, uh-huh. you know, epic things again and everything, man. It's it's there. I feel a bit heretical, but I kind of almost want to... Sk- I don't know everything about my culture. And I've got, like, so I I, I, I own Barramundi's story. Uh-huh. And that's that's something I'm allowed to... But, but um, you know, I, I don't know it. Yeah. You know, that sits in my relationship with my big brother. And so he's the big boss because of our birth order. So he has that status and he holds that story. He keeps that. And it's like mine because that belongs with that. That's us. That's him and him and me own that story. I don't even know it. Yeah. He never told me, but I've got no like burning desire to hear it or know it or learn it like that. It's fine yeah. because that's kept in our community. There, there's knowledge that's kept you know, all throughout our community and then across with hope other communities as well. It's kept everywhere stuff that I don't know and that I don't need to know. I'm, I'm quite happy working with the little bit that I've got because mm. that's, that's knowledge that we all own together. Yeah. You know, that's, that's owned in a community, you know, and it's, it's, it's cool. Anyway, you, you got that there for you in Ireland if you ever want it. It's the other thing. And in heaps of people here, there's lots of Irish clubs and Irish societies and, all kinds of stuff yeah, but... here. You can you can you can hook up with it if you want to go that way. But what if I that is just like... fetishizing your biology, and that's that what I mean. Is a whole like... other thing. You know, that's, well, that's uh, what I want to talk about. That's a bit. just like... part of the the group identity branding, fucking weird stuff that's yeah. been going on. That identitarianism. So that's another right. thing. But then tribal, you know that that's a ruined word and a, and a, a branding. As I want well. to bring it back. I like it. It's there's plenty of but there's plenty of it. You know, you can go and get a tribal tattoo at a tribal tattooist. You get tribal earrings, tribal fucking anything you want. You get a tribal massage, you know. <laughs> there's there's a whole industry, you know. Like that's that's there But already. I reckon there's a kernel of worthiness in there of what that's pointing to, which is a bond of trust which you were talking about earlier yeah. that goes beyond it's the strongest link that you can have, and it's yeah. It, I don't know. It speaks to me. I want to. I want to. Yeah. I want to cultivate that. You know. Well, how about just becoming a land-based social mammal? A land-based social mammal. Well, we are already, right? We were. <laughs> mm. I'm not behaving one, like one right now. Are you? <laughs> no, no, not really. I'm just. I'm. That, that's your first step. I know that's what. Well, I that's the rewilding part. part of it lessons with the, the baby posters on the wall like i gotta learn how to get up first yeah <laughs> before i can do the screamer I, I suck at the sticks but it's all right i'll get better as i go along <laughs> yeah 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 man i don't know but there's a lot of that um mm-hmm. my mate uh rune rasmussen he, he does the nordic uh, animism yeah he's like one of the only Nordic animist sort of um, 
people I know who like I trust completely that that they're not just secretly doing some Nazi shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I interviewed him on the very first episode of my podcast. I listened um, to it podcast. today, this afternoon. Yeah, yeah, but that's the one that I, I want to redirect people, you know, back to when they go, oh, but I am white. I'm white. I can't <laughs> yes. have a good, like a fucking cool tribe like you. I want to have that. What's my spirit animal? Fuck. You know, yeah, <laughs> like, oh, go and... Hang with Rune, man. Hang with Rune. And but, see all right, I'm going it. a different way. I, it's not. I, it's I just seeing how he's doing it. He does a, he does creolization and fin farting, and that that's a good methodology. Fin farting. Sitting with indigenous people and just learning the processes of being in place and on yep. country and on, uh, you know, having that spirit. And you don't have to take anything back with you, except the process, and yep. then let it build from the fragments of fucking humanity that are left in you. Anyway. Don't you see that there's a synthesis that, well, this is what I see anyway. Yeah. This metamodernism no. stuff. I interviewed Hansi last week. I know. People always talk about synthesis and it, it just isn't. Because yeah. uh-huh. that, that would require some kind of dialogue, which would require some sort of vaguely symmetrical relationship. Mm. <laughs> but there isn't one. It's so fucking asymmetrical. That yes. Most of that goes one way and it's extractive as fuck. So yes. until, you, until you can like get the relation right, until you get the relationship right, you can't have the dialogue and then you can't have, and, and then you won't even want a dialectic anymore because yeah. that's bullshit. You, like yeah. you won't even want that. You'll want two-ness. Mm. When you can hold that in your head, what, what two-ness is, you know, mm. then, then you'll be able to come to that, you know, the pre-modern phase of your fucking development, you know, mm. which you're supposed to build on it. Oh no, no, it's not a, it's not a linear progression. It's not pro it's a spiral. It's a spiral. It's an integral. It's like, yeah, well, why do you have like colors that you're achieving as you go through? Why is the fucking, yeah. this one, the meta, why is this one now at the top? You know, it's shady. why is the colors like karate belts as you go through? It's like you, you can twist it into a spiral, but it's still a fucking um, evolution model. Yeah. It's a, a color tone chart of progress. Progression. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> progressing from fucking, you know, uh, through gradual stages of melanin loss until you arrive at becoming the Nordic male. That's the Nordic secret right there. <laughs> oh, I, apologies. I know those people. They're awesome. I've had yarns with them. They're deadly. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're not, yeah. Uh, they're not eugenicists at all. No. They've got, interestingly they enough, there is a... Genesis? On the right, there's a movement of, of like alt right meta modernism kind of complexity mm. thinking shit emerging, which is pretty confusing and and uh, yeah, yeah, it's an interesting little sub pocket of culture yeah. unfurling. Yeah. But what about this? That the land based mammal focused on the trust network, crawling like the baby with the global cosmo local meta network going on that's the kind of broad narrative i'm trying to yeah orient myself towards and saying i'm sorry every four meters <laughs> <laughs> yeah but, uh, i don't want to but i feel i fucking have to you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah but um that that's uh something we're all gonna have to figure out how to get past because it's not yeah. helping yeah. yeah 
It's not helping at all. Anyway, I'll flog you with my sticks. We'll flog each other with our sticks. (laughs) Flog each other with our sticks till we're both good and bloody. And, um, and then we'll see what we can do. Like, <laughs> I like it. you know, I reckon it's just in that space afterwards when we're kind of breathing and like, you know, staunching the bleeding. Or, or, you know, it all makes all sense. It'll just be cool. It'll be like, yeah. Hey, Gumbros. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Tyson. Thanks for spending the time with me. It's been fun going on the roller coaster ride with you. Yeah, man. And, you know, just let the story come. You, you don't have to build it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Um, you know that if they if if you build it, they will come. Mm. So like, if you just let them come, you won't have to fucking build it. Yeah, anti Kevin Costner wisdom. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed the podcast as much as I did. Show notes are available online at www.joelightfoot.org where you can also find more information about my book, A Collective Blooming. Music by Johnny Eagle. Until next time, be well, my friends.